I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Rugby League Digest. I'm Michael Adams, uh, and I'm here not with Andy, but with uh, Daniel Watson-Hayes. This is our Western Suburbs case study. Uh, Daniel is a former board member and general manager of the club, a football club member, and uh, a a long-term fan of Western Suburbs. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, So I really appreciate you joining me, Daniel. Uh, You got in touch with me a while ago, so I've had you penciled in as my West guy uh, for some time now. With no immediate plans to get that done, but uh, with the sad passing of Tommy Rodonicus last week, I, I thought it was a good time uh, to bring in you to, to talk about Western Suburbs. So so right at the top, I, I just want to spend some time uh, paying tribute uh, to Tommy Rodonicus. I want to get to the Western Suburbs of it all, but before that, I've, I've actually been surprised just like how big the outpouring has been. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's been it's been quite remarkable, uh, Mick, in terms of seeing the not only Western Suburbs fans and Newtown fans, but the entire rugby league fraternity, the, the the outpouring, the love, the affection that everyone had for for the man they referred to as Tom Terrific, and I think that that goes to show the the cut through uh, and the gravitas. Uh, and the respect and the esteem that he was held in by by everyone um, that you know came to knew the legend that was Tom Rodonius. I mean, there's there's uh, you know probably several three three to four generations that probably never ever got to see him play. They've seen footage, they've heard the you know the outlandish stories um, that have become folklore. But whenever they saw or heard Tommy talk. I think there was an element of uh, authenticity about it. And, I mean, you know, there's one one thing that I, I think resonates and cut through, has cut through is, you know, the ability not to bullshit. And that was Tommy. And I think that's where a lot of the respect came from. You know, he, he, was, he was a bit of a throwback in terms of, um, you know, being old school and everything. But one thing that – and I, th- I think Roy Masters covered it really, really well this week. He said that, you know, when you when you – Talk about integrity, you know, from 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 the top of Tommy's head to Tommy's, you know, toes. That's all he was. He was he was authentic. He he had integrity. Um, there was no BS about him. Um, and you know, it's it's that I, I think all of those things sort of cut through, and and that's why there was such a, an outpouring because. Tommy appealed to to every to everyone, not just Western Suburbs Magpies and Newtown Jets fans, but he appealed to everyone, um, and he become that lovable rogue that you know he could get away with things that everyone else couldn't. And yeah, the, uh, he was just overall, if you if you had to sum him up, it would just be in a word, it would just be genuine. He was mm-hmm. genuine. It's I, I was saying it to uh, Andy last night. We recorded an episode. I was saying that. It's the type of thing that would usually 
bug me as you know a, a rugby league history lover uh the way that the focus has gone so much onto the character n- not so much his achievements in the game and, and certainly when he first died that it did kind of bug me a bit but as the days went on and you're getting all these stories like he was such an outsized character that i mean it takes that outsized character to put you know 30 tests for australia and such a successful playing career in the shade and so i think for you know until until tommy recedes from living memory i think the character is like his biggest contribution to the game and and that's saying so much considering his on-field contributions yeah exactly right and and you're right with what you say i mean like for for someone to play what 29 tests for australia um and he he virtually held the number seven test jersey for 10 years Mm. you know that that speaks volumes and you know and then uh, the, the list of accolades that you know, in terms of all the all the state games, being the inaugural, you know, New South Wales State of Origin captain in 1980, um, you know, inducted into the the Hall of Fame, the the Australian Rugby League NRL Hall of Fame, uh, life member and you know, team of the century uh, for for Western Suburbs Magpies. I mean, like the the list goes on. He's an OAM, like for his contribution to rugby league. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. But yeah, it, it's funny. It's the his 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 character has usurped uh, and taken the focus on all of his achievements and accolades that he's amassed uh, from 1969 to to 1982. It was just it it was amazing. It was amazing to see. But you're right in what you're saying. It's whilst it probably can be seen and 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 looked um, probably a little you know down on. Well, you know he's not being remembered for everything he contributed on the field. When you can ha- have that that list of achievements to fall back upon and, you know, the character itself continues to, I suppose, preserve and promote rugby league in, Mm -hmm. in a, in a different, in a different realm. You know what I mean? So um, that, that, you know, I I think there's, there's an equilibrium uh, and both can be, both can be balanced. And he's, he's one of those players and he's one of those characters that can, can have the same level on on both on both counts, rather than not just being all football, yeah, or not just being all character, he's got he's got the best of both worlds. And how many how many how many ex players and former players can can say that? No, exactly. And one of the really touching things for me was seeing the way the the current Blues team talked about him. I don't think there are many other players of his generation that would you know the current players would relate to on such a you know profound personal level there's obviously the respect and you know um admiration for all the achievements but like tommy was one of them like there there just didn't seem to be any separation i think that is a very rare and and special thing and i think he saw himself as one of them as well that was the thing Mm. so when 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 you've got a a former great like that who sees himself as one of them you know i think that's again that's what commands so much respect and why they hold him in such esteem and he he's got that you know he's he's always had that um and you've you've you know he's been eulogized all week and you know there's no greater you know i suppose uh, recommendation um and praise that you know paul langmack john scandalis have all come out and they've all said you just didn't want to let him down mm. You know, like for for all of his antics and lack of technical technical nous, et cetera, you know, the the one thing that I suppose Tommy had compared to other coaches uh, is that he had that ability that you just did not want to let him down. You know what I mean? Yep. And 
that that speaks volumes as 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 a coach as a person and you say he cut through he cut across club lines state lines uh you know there's no no one would you know in the last week it you'd be hard pressed finding a more universally loved figure in the game but it is something special for western suburbs fans in particular so do you want to maybe touch on what he means to western suburbs I think everything. I think he he epitomises what the club is about and what the club's built on. You know, like they've been the Panerial whipping boys uh, for 113 years, the poor old Magpies, and he, him and, and that that 19 that late 1970s era, that 1978 when the Fibros became you know came to fruition through the Roy Master siege mentality, uh, and Tommy sort of led that charge. You know, he he was a battler and. The the club was a the club was a battle club and I I think Tommy's influence provided that that real connection with with the with the Western suburbs faithful but also with anyone who deemed themselves to be a battler or of blue collar working class low socioeconomic uh, and people used to basically you know gravitate to that. And that, that's that's what Western Suburbs has always been about. It's the Western Suburbs, you know, District Rugby League Football Club has always been about, you know, the working class, the little man, um, punching above, well above your weight. Um, it doesn't matter how big you are, how how small you are, or where you came from. You know, there was there was that inclusiveness that the the Magpies have always had, um, and that was that was Tommy. Tommy Tommy epitomised that in every sense of the word. And actions as well, you know, and then um, now every other player sort of, you know, went went with him. You know, he he was he was a leader of men, and he 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 led in that regard. He led that, you know, he was proud to be a battler. It wasn't it wasn't something that he shirked. It wasn't something that he dismissed. He owned it, and because he owned it, everyone else was proud to be it as well. So he was he was a trailblazer in many ways. Uh, for Western suburbs, he was a he was a trailblazer for the community. Everyone that virtually lived in the Western suburbs of Sydney, regardless if they weren't a Western suburbs Magpies fan, they always loved to see the Maggies do well because purely the fact that they were the underdogs, they were the battlers, uh, and any time that they they would get a scalp or they had any sort of you know immediate success, it was a good thing for it was a good thing for the community. It was a good thing for the game. And you know, there's you know, there's, there's always been you know antidotes and um, lines throughout throughout rugby league forever and a day. That you know, for example, you know when when South Sydney's doing well, rugby league's doing well. Well, I, I think the same can be said for Western Suburbs. When when Western Suburbs were you know in there punching well above their weight, and you know 1978 they were minor premiers, and um, you know whenever they made a finals appearance. Well, Rugby league was in pretty good shape. If you you got a, a a battling club and a battling team that probably had a roster that you know probably was lucky to be a get out of the bottom four, so to speak, um, through through many of its generations. You know, for, for them for them to to achieve what they did, uh, and Tommy led that, and that that was so so important uh, back then when you looked at you looked at the the state of affairs that the football club was at in terms of finances and you know running on the the smell of an oily rag yet they superseded all that through just pure passion and and and, and I suppose again really owning really owning that that battler and 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 and, and lead making sure that inspired not only the football club but in, in, in it inspired the entire western suburbs community 
Yeah. And, you, you know, you mentioned Roy Masters and the Fibros. Like, it's a stroke of coaching genius to be able to instill that in the team. But it would have been nothing without having someone like Tommy there to buy it up wholesale and then make sure everyone in that team uh, was instilled with that same mentality. I don't, I don't, I don't think it happens without him, to be honest. Um, you know, Les Boyd and Warren Boland, and there's a few other players, Ray Brown. They didn't really believe it, but they went, they went along with it purely yeah. the fact because Tommy, Tommy ensured, you know, if you know that everyone needed to buy in, and you know, as was the, you know, the, the ability to to man manage and bring a team together like Roy Masters did, and it's and inspire. Um, you know, they they bought in. They they were they were team players in that regard. But I don't think I don't think that happens without Tom Bradonikus's influence uh, and his leadership to really to really you know make sure that belief was widespread throughout that team. Yeah, agreed. And there will be some more Tommy talk as we uh, you know go through this episode. Uh, but you know, at the at the top, just wanted to say a towering loss for for rugby league and and what a what a contribution he made. Extremely. So let's uh, let's turn to Western Suburbs as a whole. And, and to start off with, maybe we'll introduce your connection to West. So where did it all start with you? What's your history with the club? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was uh, I was brought into this world in 1983, uh, which is a, a very significant year uh, for the Western Suburbs Football Club. But um, I, uh, I was uh, born and bred in, uh, in southwest Sydney. Uh, I've lived in Fairfield all my life. And um, my family actually had roots to Belmore. Um, so my parents were childhood sweethearts and they lived opposite sides of Kingsgrove Road, uh, 24 and 27 respectively, which is about 100 yards from the from the George Hotel and Canterbury Road and another 100 yards from Belmore Sports Ground. Mm. So blue and white, um, the berries uh, was you know has 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 ran through my my family's veins to the to the fact that. Um, my dad uh, used to hold the pads for Kevin Ryan to warm up at Belmore Sports Ground. Yeah. And he was that blue and white that if Canterbury ran right to left, he'd stand on this side of halfway. And if they ran left to right, he'd stand on this side of halfway. And he was he was as blue and white as anything. And he did his best to try and brainwash me and coerce me to become a, a Bulldogs fan. Um, but I was uh, corrupted by my late grandfather, who was born and bred in Leeton and moved to Strathfield. And as many people did back then, you supported your local team. And the local team was Western Suburbs. So in 1990, when Dad kept dragging me along to Belmore and tried to get me to cheer Bulldogs, etc., my uh, late grandfather got in my ear and said, why don't you give Western Suburbs a go? Well, knowing that they were about to uh, go on a run of success, having signed Warren Ryan and, mm. and co., uh, and I thought, yeah, all right, no worries, I'll give them a go. And, and before you knew it, bang, 91 happens and they make the finals. 92 happens, they make the finals, you know, and all the rest. And I thought, geez, they go all right, this this black and white team. And, and that was the, that was the end of it. I, I'd, I've been a Western Suburbs supporter since 1990, thanks to my late grandfather, mm. who's, uh, whose hero was Keith Holman. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that was it. That was the end of the... That, that's that's how it all it all sort of panned out from there. So I've been a, a, a magpie uh, since 1990, since uh, since the age of seven. You you touch on something there that I think is very unique about Western Suburbs. You know, they were your grandfather's local team in Strathfield, your local team in Fairfield. You know, you you've got this move from Ashfield to Lidcombe to Campbelltown. 
without losing that Western Suburbs identity. Uh, it's it's really really unique that a team could make that move, you know, three times and and not lose anything or have their identity changed. And I, to that point, uh, Michael, it, it, it's funny. I don't think any other club would have actually had that that sort of that sustained element of support, if you like, and purely the fact that demographics, which probably pay, you know, we talk to the Bradley report all the time, but, you know, the demographics of Western Sydney continued to evolve and change as Sydney grew larger and more of the, again, the blue collar, the working class sort of people started to move further west and so did Western Suburbs Magpies. So it, was, it wasn't like they moved to the other side of the country. It's the fact that, well, whilst the football club was moving, so too was the actual supporter base to the fact that, you know, they started in Asheville, which you go back to 1908, 19, you know, in 1908, Asheville was the western suburbs and then Lincoln became the western suburbs and then eventually the southwest corridor of Sydney became the western suburbs. So therefore, it, if anything... You know, I'd call it, you know, the stars aligned perfectly for the football club and things obviously went their way um, in terms of, you know, New, Newtown falling over and that presenting an opportunity for, for the Magpies to move to the MacArthur region. But you're right in what you say, the, the demographics sort of, as the demographics shifted further west, fortunately for western suburbs, so did they. So they, they if, if anything, it was like very, you know, the, the correlation of them continuing to, to move together in unison was, uh, was very beneficial. Mm. Uh, let's go to, you know, one of those moves and let, let's talk about 1983. Uh, what, I, what we didn't do in our series was really spend any time looking at how it got to that point, how it got to the point where they were on their knees had the you know the chairman urging fans to buy tickets in the the guessing competition and and, and the chook raffles and all the rest of it. How did it get so bad? Yeah, it, it, it's 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 funny. It, even now, like football club members and 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 long life Magpie fans talk about you know the the one the one constant that's always been there with Western Suburbs has had this inept administration. Um, you know, you take out the—I I suppose you take out the 1950s, where they were referred to as the millionaire magpies. But apart from that, they—they've always been—they've always been at war with one another. Um, you know, not, not much has changed now from from a from a from a hierarchical perspective with the football club and West Ashfield, etc. Don't get me wrong, agendas are right across the board in every football club. No, no one's immune in that regard. Rugby league is fueled by agendas. So. That's that's how it survives. <laughs> but but um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I think you know the the um, the constant inept administration over a long period of time got to that point where you know it just so happened that you know you had the the manlies of the world and new towns of the world. Uh, with rich benefactors and affluence um, started to pick apart you know, the success that Western Suburbs started to amount uh, in that late 70s period, especially 78, being minor premiers, and then even having success and making finals even up until, what, 1982. And then all of a sudden it just sort of fell in a heap. And, again, usually that always comes back to, well, front office. And, again, um, you know, there was probably numerous factors in, in, in you know, ha- having a having a team that, was on the you know on the precipice of winning a premiership and then being dismantled through you know um, 
not being able to coerce and and retain uh, quality players because they just did they couldn't compete with the finances of of every other club. And like anything, the con- the constant um, you look at success right throughout you know I suppose all the way up into the salary cap era is that the teams that had success were the teams with the cash, and the poor old Magpies didn't have a lot of it. So that was probably, I think, the the beginning of the end and and why um, they became such a target for the New South Wales Rugby League in terms of, um, you know, admitting them from the 1983 Premiership. Mm. And had a a couple of two key strokes of luck over the course of the 80s with firstly uh, the the court, you know, the, the New South Wales Rugby League winning the appeal, the court ruling that they had the right to exclude West from... The 1986 season, I think it was, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the plan's already in place for that season, so West being allowed to continue. Then Newtown's move to Campbelltown falling over, West being able to come in and, and grab that patch of territory. I mean, those two things really saved the Magpies. Uh, I, I'm interested to know, I don't know if, if you have any insight, is there any bitterness between Newtown and West fans, you know, that you kind of stole their their area? Yeah, you know what? Like from my dealings and and from what I I can I can gather, there is none. There is none because I I think if if you know if you went along to Henson Park this weekend and you know you surveyed majority of people that are going to be sitting on the hill and and um in in the King George V Memorial stand, they'd all be saying that you know they would they didn't want to go to Campbelltown. They didn't want to relocate. You know, okay, it was going to provide, you know, longevity and certainty and stability and guarantee their success. But Newtown was very, very rusted on in staying in Newtown. They didn't really want to shift their base. So whilst it was sad to see, you know, the blue bags um, go by the, by the wayside, to see what they've amassed now and, and, and now they've got a different remit as a football club and, um, you know, the success that they've been able to attain through their feeder arrangements over the years has served them very, very well in that regard. And the uh, they've they've generated a whole brand new generation of fan as well. You know that that inner west Marrickville, you know um, hipster type, um, you know demographic. Then it's cool to be a, a, a new town. Yeah, a Jets fan. You know what I mean? It's it's a day out. It's something to do in the area, and they've got a new connection there. So whilst they've probably had you know eight or nine generations of of Newtown Jets fans that have passed on, there's this new breed of 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 rugby league supporter, um, a community based level, um, which I don't think any other rugby league supporter club supporter base has. To be honest, mm. they've got a real you know homely connection. Um, with with Newtown, but to to your point, from what I can gather, there is absolutely no angst. There's no animosity. There's no hatred or bitterness between Western Suburbs and Newtown fans at all. You know, there's uh, there's that real sort of uh, cordial relationship that um, you know we're Foundation Club brothers that have been you know dealt a dealt a pretty hard uh, hand by. Uh, uh, the the rugby league fraternity over a period of time. So there is that sort of commonality that we've both been stiffed. And I, I, I think um, going through some hardships and adversity, you, you build a bond. Uh, and apart, apart from being, you know, foundation clubs, uh, there is that connection there. 
And this is just an aside, but something I thought of while you were talking then is Newtown is almost the inverse of West. Instead of moving to keep up with the demographic, there's a kind of cultural shift to to keep the club where it is and, and adapt to a changing demographic. Absolutely. Very much so. Yeah. Um, let's talk about where you come into it with, with the Warren Ryan era. So obviously... Any long-time listener of this show will know that we are, he's our hero. Um, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts and memories of, of that era of success in the early 90s? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, again, as I touched on, um, I, I, I came to become a Western Suburb supporter at the right time where, you, you know, you had the, the successful premiership winning coach in, in the WOC uh, and what he managed to do for the Magpies is bring about almost immediate success in terms of, you know, bringing along uh, the Canterbury connection um, that he had at, 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 at the Bulldogs, you know, the, the likes of uh, uh, my my childhood hero in Paul Langmack, um, you know, uh, Joe Thomas, David Gillespie, um, you know, and, 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 the, and the like. He, he, he brought over Jim Dimmick from South Sydney, you know, and then, then the, you know, coupled with the players that they already had there as well. Um, and, you know, and the emergence of, you know, like um, Jason Taylor, you know, Patrick O'Doherty, they, they had some really, really good players there. And there, it was no surprise at all for them to have the success they did with the with the list that um, that Warren Ryan was able to put through. Uh, and, you know, 91 was a great year for the club because they won the New South Wales Rugby League Club Championship um, that year as well. Um, and then to go on to 92 and their President's Cup, you know, they, they win, uh, they win the, the President's Cup Grand Final against your Dragons. And uh, my cousin, Kane Cross, he actually played in that game. Uh, Kane was, uh, he was a Cobar boy and, and brought down on a scholarship uh, with St. Greg's and played all these junior reps through, you know, through SG Ball, Jersey Flag, President's Cup for the Magpies. And Peter Mulholland was his coach. Mm. Uh, and uh, ended up taking him over to Perth, uh, which was a contentious issue within our family. All right. Because uh, obviously Perth was aligned to Super League. Yep. So uh, we ha- we were a very staunch ARL family, and um, and uh, that that caused a that caused a bit of a rift within uh, <laughs> within the family. And uh, uh, I digress. We can touch on that later. I'm sure we will. I do, I do want to. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that era was a fantastic era, and you know, like the. Uh, I think you know the success that they 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 amounted under Warren Ryan in that 91 92 period you know especially those first couple of years it was just it was it was it was really it was a shot in the arm for 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 long suffering western suburbs magpies fans you know who hadn't re- reached the finals since 1982 uh, so it was a long long time between drinks and i suppose the other positive thing it it it, it virtually gave the people of the of the Campbelltown Southwest Macarthur region, you know, a team to wow, we've we've got a football we've got a football team here, um, so that sort of galvanised the uh, the region there too. Uh, whilst they'd been there since 1987, it wasn't an, an, it wasn't until they really started to have a bit of you know success and start to play finals football that the that the Macarthur region really really got behind Western Suburbs. And the the stadium was redone about that time, wasn't it? When did the the new Campbelltown Stadium open? That um that actually happened at the end of nineteen ninety eight. Ninety oh, it was that late? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um a little bit of New South Wales and um state government funding. Uh, so they, they it went from being um in nineteen eighty seven it went from being a Rana Park to then Campbelltown Sports Ground, uh to Campbelltown Sports Stadium. 
Mm. So it's had three different incarnations. But, yeah, 1999, it opened up on the 16th of June, which was a Sunday, against Balmain in round 12 um, in 1999. And uh, the Magpies won 18-12 uh, to yep. their homecoming. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's uh, it's – that that was when they re, redid the uh, the development of, of the stadium, and uh, they said it they said it cost twenty million. If twenty million gave you a uh, a half, shall we say, grandstand on the eastern side, then well, twenty million doesn't buy you a lot. No, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, considering we're you know looking at one point five billion or whatever it is to redo the SFS and Homebush, yeah. it probably makes sense that you don't get much change for twenty million. <laughs> uh, it's all about inflation, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but to stick with the Ryan era and the end of it, I guess, uh, you know, it was a very short window of success. And if you look at 94, you have, you know, Taylor leaving to North, so you have Dimmick going to Canterbury. So that team gets broken apart, you know, fairly quickly. Is that just kind of market forces at work and, you know, the same battling Wests having their same problems? Yeah, it, from, from the outside looking in, it definitely looked like that as well. Obviously, there were some internal issues with Warren Ryan and the senior leaders of the club, um, you know, namely in um, Jason Taylor and and, and, and Paul Langmack. And it, for whatever reason, it it, it it ended in tears, which was un- unfortunate, um, you know, for all of um, all the success that uh, Warren Ryan brought to the club. Um, it was very, very short-lived. Yeah. And, and it's it seen that... Western Suburbs were once again going to be, you know, the the, the whipping boys of the competition and, and, and back to their old ways of inept administration and, you know, not being an attractive commodity to, to anyone, uh, any any prospective commercial partner or sponsor, uh, which was the case in terms of Masterton pulling their sponsorship and uh, running around in 94 with a, you know, with, with a blank jersey, which is never, never good to see. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, uh, um, Steve Noyce jumps on a plane, flies to Brisbane, and brings 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 home Tom Rodonigas. And all of a sudden, there was uh, you know this this rejuvenation of 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 the uh, of of the of the football club once again. That is, you know, I I grew up in in Newtown. I had no connection to the western suburbs at all growing up. Like Campbelltown might as well have been in Perth or you know Bangkok. It was just, it was just not part of my world. And and so my abiding memory of that era is Tom Rodonicus on the back of a ute, you know, with a megaphone, driving down the street in Cameltown, urging people to come to the game. Like that's something that, that sticks in my mind so clearly. Uh, and, and it seems like he, could you imagine anyone else being able to do what he did with that club, you know, after the Ryan era? Absolutely not. You know, like it's, it's funny. Again, I, I said before, like, you know, he he may not have had the technical nous that um, Warren Ryan or uh, you know your Brian Smiths of the world uh, had, but you know he had he had a special element to him, which again no other no other coach that would have walked in after Warren Ryan at 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 the Magpies would have ha- had been able to basically galvanise the football club, galvanise the team, and bring the community back on board. You know, and he he managed to tick all those boxes because purely the fact of he was he was Tom Rodonius. Mm. You know that that's that's the best way to put it. You can you can try and define and make different sort of analogies and comparisons, and but at the end of the day, it was Tommy. Yeah, it was, it was Tommy. That's the best way to sum it up. 
In preparation for this, I, I went and looked at that 96 squad that uh, made the semis and compared it to the, the 1999 list, you know, widely held as, as if not the worst in, in the top handful of worst NRL rosters and, you know, worst performing teams in the NRL era. When you look at those two teams, like I'd say maybe the 96 team is marginally better, but there's not that much of a difference. There's not that much of a gap in quality that could see one make the top eight and one be held as the benchmark for, you know, bad NRL lists. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's the thing. I mean, you're hard-pressed trying to – you go through that and you, you take out, you know, I suppose your your Paul Langmax, your Andrew Leeds's, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. You look back now and you say, oh, well, okay, well, you know, Scandalous, the McGuinness brothers, they would have made an, an, another NRL team. But I tell you what, you're only talking about five or six players and the yep. rest of them would not have not have been given another NRL contract at any other club. Yeah. You know, that's that's just on face value. But, you know, for whatever whatever reason, you know, in 1996, everything sort of, you know, they really bought into what Tommy was about. They played some enterprising football and it, it, they were a great team to watch, you know what I mean? And uh, that was, you know, as a, as a Western Suburbs fan, to this day, even even though they made the semis in 91 and 92 under what, that 1996 season is still my favourite, favourite ever season and favourite ever time as being as being a Western Suburbs Magpies fan and a rugby league fan in general. I had so so many memories from that year. You know, I was I was in year seven. I was, you know, twelve going on thirteen, and I can I can remember every single game that I attended that year, and there was always a sense of we're a chance today. We could yeah. win. You know what I mean? Mm. And I I never had that. I didn't have that. You know, in, in 91, 92, yeah, because we were winning. So, you know, we are winning more games than we were losing. But then that 93, 94, yeah, 95 period. But then, you know, beating Illawarra in round one and then going on and starting to beat the Warriors. And, you know, there was the um, the, the big win before they played North Sydney Bears uh, on that Monday night thriller. They, they, played, they played Canberra Raiders at Campbelltown and they just – they tore them to shreds, and we're talking about you know you know Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Ruben Wiki, you know they had all the stars, Brett Mullins, you know Kenny Nagus, and you got players like you know uh, Brandon Pearson, Paul Bell, Asiri Lang, you know just coming out and just putting on a masterclass, you know Steve Jobjarlis playing at halfback, you know who was a great utility, but he he was he wasn't a top top first grade halfback, no. you know what I mean, and and. Uh, Andrew Willis as his harvest partner, and they, for whatever reason, everything just worked. Everything clicked, and it was it was magnificent to watch. Yeah. And was there something extra special in it? When if if you look at like the Ryan years, you know, as as great as that success was, you know, there's some element of it being imported. You know, it's like you get the the super coach. He brings some of his favorite players from Canterbury. This 96 team, you had Tommy coaching. You had these young West juniors coming through. It seemed like it was it was just the epitome of of the Western suburbs as a region and the traditional identity of that club. Very much so. And, and, and I think that was, again, what resonated with the, the community out there is they could start to see the, the green shoots coming through where you had the talent of this, you know, this, this burgeoning Western suburbs junior nursery of Campbelltown MacArthur, you know, as I mentioned before, you had the John Scandalis, 
Ken and Kevin McGuinness, the McGuinness brothers, um, you know, Shane McManamy, Brett Hodson, uh, Asiri Lang, you know, Ron Jones. You had all these juniors that all of a sudden were now starting to come through. Uh, Damien Kennedy, who'd been in the system for a while as well, you know, and and all of a sudden when you've got a when you've got a supporter base that started to embrace Western Suburbs and they can see their own starting to come through and play first grade, actual you know born and bred Campbelltown Western Suburbs Magpies junior reps from from the region, then all of a sudden there is a there's a greater sense of wow we're we're building from within here and there's a greater sort of sense of ownership. If you if you if you like, where we're not going out and buying, trying to buy a comp, we are we actually are developing. We're developing these players, and that's all through you know the, the grassroots of the Campbelltown region. You know what I mean? Mm. And whilst it was probably uh, you know a, a nine or ten year slow burn uh, from 1987 to 1996, all of a sudden you could start to see the prosperity starting to shine through, and the future started to look really really bright when you had all those juniors coming through. And they weren't just getting their debut for the sake of it. They were getting their debut because they earned their debut, and they they were performing admirably. Like they were they were almost the best players every single week, you know. Um, and that that was great to see. And you could just see the potential and the amount of upside. And again, as a as a 13 year old sitting on the hill at Campbelltown Sports Ground, I was looking at these kids going, "Wow, our future's bright." You know, if we hold on to these guys, this is going to be absolutely. We're going, we're going to be in for a period of grace here. Mm. Um, you know, obviously that's not the way it turned out. We can, you know, maybe touch on the end, but before we get to that, we we have that little Super League wrinkle, a minor, uh, you know, event in the history of rugby league. So, so you you mentioned your family's allegiances. Can you just talk me through? your feelings of Super League and, and what you remember about that period as a West fan? Yeah, well, I can I can provide a little bit of insight. So, again, you know, the, the 1st of April and uh, April Fool's Day, I remember coming home from school and, you know, it was breaking news on, you know, all the nightly news reports, et cetera, about this, you know, this this Super League that was going to happen and, uh, and all the rest of it. And I was trying to get my head around and saying, what do you mean there's going to be, what, two different competitions? How can this be? And all the rest of it. And, um, you know, as as time, you know, went on that year and it, it started to get legs and, you know, all of a sudden you had, you know, more momentum and players signing and clubs signing and all the rest of it. And I touched on before that my dad was a, a, a diehard, you know, Canterbury-Bankstown man. He was a Berries man, loved you know, loved everything blue and white. I remember I came home from school one day, and I've never seen I've never seen my father cry, but he was in the backyard burning wood and crying. And I said, "What's wrong?" And he said, "Canterbury have gone to Super League." And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "The Bulldogs have gone to Super League," and he grabbed all his paraphernalia grabbed all his merchandise just threw it all oh my god yep wow and i said what are you doing you know again i was only 12 i said what are you doing and he said no club is bigger than the game mate and i went wow okay this is this is what it's come to so and i'm sure there's many other stories out there people like my dad who just basically threw it all in um it hurt him that much that you know the club that he loved had turned their back on the ARL, and I went, wow. So 
I, I knew where I stood because I thought, well, you know, if 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 Dad is making such a statement like that, then you know, f- yeah, for the love of Christ, I hope the, hope the Magpies don't go to Super League yeah. <laughs> yeah. because because geez, it's going to be boring, <laughs> not watching any football. And um, but thankfully, you know, they they didn't. They they stayed with the ARL. But hindsight's one wonderful thing, and we'll touch on that. But as I said, my my cousin had followed Peter Mulholland to Perth, and knowing that Perth had signed with the rebel competition, Super League was a, a a dirty word within our family to the point where I remember we had a family function and um, we had Kane Kane's um, um, some of Kane's family come and stay with us, and they were all. The funny thing is because they were all from Cobar, they all became Canterbury Bankstown supporters because of my dad. So because my dad always used to go from Belmore and go see the family up there and he'd take, you know, all these, you know, merchandise and footy and uh, footy stuff and, and all that. And because of dad, they all became Bulldogs fans. So they were, they were all Bulldogs fans. And I remember in 1997 we had uh, we had a family function down and, as you know, that uh, Channel 9 had uh, exclusive rights to uh, Monday Night Football. Yeah. And uh, I remember my... Um, my second cousin, um, John O'Brien, was sitting in our lounge room and he turned on the TV and he put it on Monday Night Football, Super League, and Dad came out and turned the TV off and he said, we don't watch Super League in this house. And to the point, they nearly come to blows. So, <laughs> so to say that, um, to say that you know, it, it was a testing time for and, and many friendships were lost within the game tell you what there was there was a lot of families that were split up by it as well more so when you had um someone that was involved so directly um and involved in playing in super league like my cousin was Mm. um and um yeah it was it was a very very tense time and battle lines were drawn uh on on you know on both sides of the family to the point where it was almost like if we went to a family function a family birthday family barbecue you know, there was an impasse. You did not yeah. talk. You didn't talk about rugby league. Yeah, wow. The fact because it was going to end. It was going to end up ending blows. That's crazy. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. So, uh, did did your dad's feeling on the dogs ever soften? I think it has now. Um, like he 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 wears he wears an old CB hat. You know, he's still very Canterbury Banks down the line. He. You know, Les Johns was his was his idol. Um, you know, he thinks Steve Gearin should be made an immortal. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he's uh, for catching that part, uh, for catching <laughs> that kick. You know, and so like he's he's still got his 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 memories in that regard, and uh, he still loves Belmore. You know, like I take him I take him to the return to Belmore games still, uh, and he wears his blue and white, and he sits there now. So. That the the hatred and the disdain that he had for the club because they you know they went to Super League, it has it has sort of subsided quite a lot. Yeah. Um. And I, I you know, time heals all wounds, as they say. Uh. And and like I've always said to him, okay, you're so lucky that you still have the Bulldogs. I don't have the Magpies. You know, and like you should be very grateful that you've still got a club. And you should be very grateful that, you know, Bullfrog put the put the Bulldogs first. You know, he was club first. And I yep. said, you know, if only someone, if only, if only the Magpies had a Bullfrog, you know what I mean? Like, yep. 
they might still be there. Who knows? Uh, you know, again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But, yeah, he, he um, whilst he isn't an, as ardent and he doesn't go to games and all that anymore, whenever the Bulldogs are playing, he always watches them. And the reason why he'll never win a tipping comp, he still tips them every week as well. <laughs> I've, I've happily missed out on, on four points in the, in the last four weeks by not tipping the Dragons. So I'm not going to tip them again this season. <laughs> Keep going, mate. Yeah. <laughs> You've partially answered my next question, but I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned being, you know, ARL steadfast all the way in 1995. How have your feelings about the war evolved and what do you think, you know, West should have done? The narrative, I suppose, from an ARL perspective, and again, it was purely PR, is that, you know, Rebo and Murdoch and, you know, any anyone aligned to Super League was the devil and, you know, the, they were evil and sinister and all the rest of it. And if you were, you know, firmly planted in the ARL camp, that's that's the line you took and that's all you, you, you know, you had that tunnel vision and you didn't want to hear about anything from the other side. So I was very, very, very firmly of uh, as, as the, uh, you know, as the bumper stick is up, uh, uh, put it that the ARL must run the game, and you know, and, and it was uh, it was the people's game, and it was being taken over, and uh, all the rest of it hijacked by you know media tycoon, etc. And now knowing what we know, and you know, over paid television, and you know, all the other sort of things that went on, it, it's again knowing knowing what we know. I I, I wish. Yeah, obviously, if things could have been done differently, they would have. I think everyone admits that. Um, that you know, whilst the the vision, as um, as you guys love to put it, um, whilst I, I I believe the vision had merit and the vision was right, I think the execution was terrible. Yep. Um, and that's not necessarily to say that it was all you know news limited and 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 Rebo's fault for that regard. I think the ARL's got to take some blame here as well. You know, their their reluctance to you know, see the forest of the trees or look over the back fence and realise that they needed to grow and, you know, the reluctance of putting, you know, expansion and retraction off year after year after year after year is like, you know, we're in this um, we're in this um, state of flux now as, as, as a game uh, where no one wants to make any hard decisions. You know, everyone talks about, you know, expansion. Everyone talks about there's too many teams in Sydney and we seem to keep getting tied up in this emotional knot, not to be able to make the hard decisions for the long-term prosperity of 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 the game and growing and, and going forward. And again, um, going back to that point of that, I wish, whilst I know they they weren't spoken to by News Limited, I wish that they were. I wish the Magpies were approached by News Corp, and I wish. If they had gone, Michael, I would have gone with them. And, and um, you know, whilst I probably would have been living out of a cardboard box because Dad, <laughs> Dad would have kicked me out of the house, um, knowing that, and I, I always keep coming back to this point, and I, I make this point to, to anyone that will listen, is that all the Sydney clubs that went to, to, to Super League, they're still, they're still there. And who's to say that the Magpies wouldn't have been there if they had went? So, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, if you had a time machine and you had a crystal ball and, you know, you could change the course of time and course of action, 
I would have loved to have seen Lachlan Murdoch pick up the phone to Jim Marsden or Martin Bullock and say, we want to have a conversation and, you know, we want Western Suburbs in Super League. And if they had gone and that means that they'd still be around today, then I would have been at peace with that. And I think that if you if you if you now talk to Magpies fans, knowing what we now have as a football club and, and you know our lack of representation through the joint venture, because perception is everything, and everyone still sees it as virtually a, a rebranded Balmain. You know, I, I think majority of Magpie fans, knowing what we know now, would have would have quite happily gone to Super League if it meant if it meant we were going to be Western suburbs in our in in our entire sovereignty. Well, let's talk about that because I noticed from your social media presence that you are not a West Tigers fan. So, um, talk talk me through you know that merger process and and your feelings at the time and and what led you to kind of walk away from the joint venture. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. It, I reckon that. I reckon two of the saddest days of my life was one when my my late grandfather passed away, who was the reason I became a Magpies fan, which was the 22nd of March, 1993. And the other saddest part of my my, my life was the 27th of July, 1999. And I remember sitting up as a 16-year-old watching, you know, the late night news on Channel 9, Sports Tonight uh, with Tim Webster and trying to get all the – all the um, you know, all, all the news updates of what was happening, and and when they announced that, you know, the, the football club members of the Western Suburbs Magpies and Balmain Tigers have agreed to enter into a joint venture to create the West Tigers, it was I felt like someone had died. That's that was the feeling. I know that sounds very dramatic, but for someone who just lived and breathed and loved Western Suburbs more than life itself to know that all of a sudden there was going to be no magpies in the NRL and I, w- I wouldn't be able to cheer for a magpies team ever again, that devastated me. That that just completely, yeah, it, it, you know, talking about it now, I, st- I still get emotional. Yeah. Um, and that, that was, yeah, I, I remember that weekend they played Parramatta at, at Campbelltown and, Noel Kelly addressed the the game at half time and you know he got up and he just said you know he he was absolutely beside himself that the club had decided to go down the track of you know of 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 forming a joint venture he he he, uh, he was very adamant that he would have rather have seen the club die on its on its feet than you know and die on its knees and enter into a joint venture and he just, I remember the words, he goes, you know, by Christ, I wish I never heard the, the words of Super League. Mm. Um, and, and um, yeah, it was it was a very emotional time. Again, it still is an emotional time thinking about it and knowing, and, and this is what I keep telling to people, like, so for, you know, for what, for almost 11 years, 10 years, over a decade, I was... You know, I cheered magpies all my life, and now all of a sudden, you, the game's telling me now you got to cheer tigers. Mm. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? So, and that was it. So I just, I couldn't, I couldn't continue going along the lines of wanting to to be a West Tigers fan. It doesn't matter how much I tried. Purely the fact that they weren't magpies, and so I couldn't do it. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I, I've one of my one of my closest friends is. Kevin McGuinness, 
And um, I used to go to West Tigers games and cheer him on without a, a great deal of support or uh, affiliation or affinity with, with West Tigers. Like if they won, yeah, I was happy for Kevin, but I didn't walk out there. I didn't walk out of the ground thinking, yeah, we won. It was well, you know. I'm glad. I'm glad they won for him, uh, and it was good to see him still go around. But uh, I remember going to Leichhardt. Dad dragged me along to Leichhardt in their first trial match against the Northern Eagles, and um, they ran out in in like a tri-coloured strip. And Dad's trying to you know go. Oh look, look. They look like they look like the Magpies. Mm. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, they're not the Magpies, but. And I remember I was uh, um, I started yelling out. Wes, 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 in in the um in the grandstand, and I was housed down by so many people saying they're not Wes, they're Tigers, and I just thought, okay, well that 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 just solidifies everything for me, you know what I mean? And and even now, you you know you can go to any West Tigers game if someone tries to get a West chant up and running, it's drowned out very very quickly, and um yeah, it's just. Again, it was an emotional time. It still is. You know, every time I see, you know, West Tigers play, I think, wow, that could still be the Magpies, you know what I mean? And and those bludgers didn't even win for Tommy yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Horrendous. Uh, 20 years on, you know, that's there's obviously some strong personal feelings there. 20 years on, do you think maybe your feelings would have softened if there was a better attempt to actually represent Western Sydney, like, because I it's something I really struggle with that that the future of rugby league isn't you know this tiny little pocket in the inner west. Like to me, like the future is this massive geographical area, this massive area of rugby league people and and great juniors and all the rest of it. And it just seems that it, it may be just a public perception, but it feels that there's been no real attempt by the Tigers to become the team of the West. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. This is a bugbear of mine um, and has been for a long period of time. I remember when they formed the joint venture, Jim Marsden, who was the Magpies chairman at the time, came out and said after three years the 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 franchise is going to be actually calling the, the Campbelltown MacArthur area home. And I know that gave a lot of people hope, thinking, okay, well, these, these guys are really serious. They're actually going to own the area. You know, they're going to foster it the way it should be. And rightly so. I mean, they've been out there since 1987. So from 1987 to 1999, the MacArthur region had a full-time team. And then all of a sudden they went from, a, you know, from 99 from onwards, they went from a part-time team to now they've, they're a casual team that blows in three times a year and calls themselves the, the, people's, the people's team. They're not the people's team. You can't turn up and treat people like mugs for three times a year, you know, several times a year. Not only that... Look at look at who they're playing, you know they're playing out of towners. Like their next game's against the Gold Coast Titans. They're not bringing anyone. There's no derby there. There's no they're not you know there's no uh, sort of you know big big time support. Like play play a play a, a Western Sydney team there. You know play play a Parramatta there. Play a play a Bulldogs there. You know play a Panthers there. Play play someone of notoriety, and 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 have that real. You know, foster some sort of you know big de- you know development crowd out there, rather than playing out of town as purely the fact because for, of commercial reasons you want to pack your corporate suites at Bank West. Like, come on, that's what it's all about. Let's be honest. But they they've done nothing. They've done nothing to 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 really resonate and and build this support 
in the MacArthur area. They've had ample opportunity to do so. As you said, they've been they've been established as a franchise and a brand for 20 years, and what have the, what have they attained? Nothing. And where where are they putting all their eggs? They're, everything's in the inner west. Yeah. Like, if they were fair dinkum, why didn't they build the centre of excellence in the Campbelltown MacArthur region? Why are they putting it on Parramatta Road in Concord? Mm. Really, let's be honest. Like, you, again, I touched on it earlier in terms of the Bradley report and and the Kerridge report after that, is that everything continues to point to the same thing, that, you know, the growth of, of the game and its support is west of Homebush. You know, like the, 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 the demographics, the supporter bases are going towards Western Sydney. So you're talking about Parramatta, Penrith, Campbelltown, Liverpool, you know, that's that's where the growth area is out there, Camden. Camden is the largest, fastest-growing LGA in New South Wales. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's only second to the Gold Coast in Australia. Mm. Why wouldn't you want to go fish where the fish are? I just don't I, – I, I just do not understand it where there's this pot of gold that's sitting at the end of the rainbow, you know, in the Campbelltown-MacArthur region, and they, they don't want anything to do with it. You know, like – yeah, you know, like the Bulldogs wanted to try and get it in, you know, that late 90s period when they went out with um, Stardome and, and tried to create that sort of gateway to the western suburbs. And, you know, I, I know the Roosters made some overtures, um, you know, affiliating with the Norellan Jets to try and jump in on the act of, of trying to source the juniors there. And now South Sydney are. South Sydney yeah. Rabbitohs have formed an affiliation with the MacArthur FC A-League Football Club. You know, they're running coaching clinics there. They're running members' days in, in the Camden and Campbelltown region. And what are West Tigers doing? Nothing. Yeah. It's 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 just dumbfounding. It's it's baffling for a start. And it's it's just terrible business. Like, it, it just that it doesn't make economic sense. It doesn't make sense in terms of juniors and, and playing strength. It just, it, it it's baffling. I, I don't understand it. Well, I'll, I'll throw this at you. If you're a young, you know, junior that's coming through, right? So you're, you know, you're playing Harold Matthews or Rusty Ball, and uh, you're coming through the ranks of Western Suburbs Magpies. Where's the pathway to play and represent and play for your local team? There isn't. Yeah. If you want to play for your local team, you've got to go 64 kilometres into the inner west of Sydney, because let's be honest, that's where you're going to be training. So if you're a if you're a local from you know Picton or you know, um, um, Wilton or uh, Menangle, Thoreau or wherever, or Oran Park, Gregory Hills, all of a sudden if you want to be playing, you know, senior level football for, for you know, you're inevitably, you know, your first grade NRL representative side, which is West Tigers, you've got to travel 64 plus kilometres to Concord to train. That, to me, that, that just... It doesn't make sense. It it really really doesn't. And look, I I'm a I'm a realist. I understand the commercial realities, and there seems to be a a, a school of thought and um, along the lines of the reason why they are basing themselves in the inner west is because the corporate support and the commercial support is all governed from the from the city, and apparently there is no, you know, there, there's no commercial sponsorship or incentive that's that's based in the western suburbs of sydney so in order to you know to fill up a jersey full of multi multi-million dollar sponsors it's it's best 
best business practices to continue to base themselves in the inner west to try and get as much commercial support as possible. I don't buy that because if that was the case, why are Parramatta and Penrith covered in sponsors? Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. And I know you're dealing with different constitutions and all these little, you know, technical things, but I I just think at some point the NRL has to step in as well and, and say, look where the people are. Like, how how is this sustainable, the, the strategy you're going with? Well, that's it. I remember Jim Marsden who, he, like, let's be honest, Jim Marsden hasn't had a role with Western Suburbs or West Tigers since 2000 when he was deputy chair. Now, he made some overtures a few years ago to contact David Smith, the then CEO, and John Grant. And he actually organised them to come and look at the Southwest. So he he organised this bus tour and he took them around Campbelltown, he took them around Camden, he took them around Wallandilly, and he showed them the, the amount of development and prosperity and how the population was growing and where it was going. And, you know, the new Western Sydney Airport is going to be a catalyst for economic growth. And there was, you know, he tried to sell this vision that we need a full-time team out here and it needs to be West Tigers. And they were... You know, oh, yeah, great, no worries. But that was as far as it went. Now, it shouldn't take someone external to try and, you know, turn the light switch on and, and let the ARL commission know that, hey, you've got, a, you've got a population out here, you've got a growth region out here, which is, again, I, I said before, it's the largest LGA, growing LGA in, 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 in New South Wales, and it's second in Australia behind the southeast corridor of Queensland. Why wouldn't you want to be tapping that and securing that? Because, you know, there, there's a there's a wolf at the door which goes by the name of the AFL. You know, you, 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 you've also got A-League now that's making, you know, inroads into the inner, uh, into the southwest as well. So there is, there's, you know, the competition for hearts and minds is there to be won because at the end of the day it hasn't been won over by West Tigers. You know, like at the end of the day, yeah, you've you've got some rusted on members and stuff, but a lot of people a lot of people have neglected and turned their back on on the franchise purely the fact that they feel that the the franchise has turned their back on them. Mm. Now you may feel differently to me about this, but I, I, I'm keen to get your thoughts. To me, the joint venture was born out of uh, mediocrity on both sides, and that being it was kind of driven by fear. To me, you had two more natural mergers of Parramatta and Balmain, Western Canterbury. They made geographical sense. Uh, you know, it, it was a natural fit. But in both cases, I think West and Balmain were scared of being dominated by a more successful partner. Uh, to me, it, it's just, I, I think it was a golden opportunity lost to not go with those two um, ventures. Do, do you have any thoughts on those? Again, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And knowing what we know now and, and all the rest of it, if if they had their time again, again, if, if you looked at all the pros and cons and the synergies and everything there, it was a definitely a much greater fit uh, for Canterbury and Western Suburbs to, to enter into a joint venture, you know, albeit Western Bulldogs or names, you know, that that's that's by the wayside. But I, th- I think one of the most important things that that union would have created is that would have actually fostered, they would have fostered that Campbelltown-Macarthur region because obviously Canterbury could 
they could see the you know the fruits that were were starting to and the green shoots that were popping through there and the amount of juniors that were coming through and the population they could see they could see all that and they would have well they wanted they wanted in because of their you know their interest in Liverpool etc so to me that would have made a, a greater natural fit and the the region would have actually had a team that's the thing they would have had a full time team they would have had a team that actually wanted to be there that wanted to foster that wanted to develop the junior nursery there and, and and bring all that you know through and i think whilst you know again the poor old maggies might have got stiffed but the thing is that at least the campbelltown macarthur region the community there and the juniors there would have had something to actually aspire to and 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 support and i think from a game perspective the game would have been better off um, with that too, you know what I mean? And I, I think you're right. I completely agree with that. I'm, 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 I'm on the same page with you as well. Not yeah. to say that I would have supported it, but I tell you what, I, I probably would have preferred to cheer for the Bulldogs than the Tigers. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, this we're spiraling into a very negative place. So I wanted to hopefully finish on a positive and, and talk about the the Magpies today playing in the New South Wales Cup. Um, do you have any involvement? Are you attending games? Yeah, I try and get to a, a, as many games as I can. Um, I haven't been to Lickham this year, um, but I, 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 I know there's a return to Lickham Day coming. Uh, I think it's might be coming up against your mob, the Dragons, actually. Oh, okay. So we might have to yeah, yeah. facilitate something there. Um, <laughs> I'll be up for that. Very good. Um, yeah, but um, it's it's great to see the Magpies, you know, flying, um, you know, in the lower tiers uh, and everything again. Um, yeah, I think the ha- having that heritage and, you know, the presence of, of a foundation club, um, you know, in, in the second tier and third tier competition is is great to see, and it's great for the game as well. Because at the end of the day, preserving and promoting your history is is very very important, especially when we're a game that's you know steeped in so much history of 113 years. You know, it, it's you can't you can't go forward without knowing where you've been. And I know that um, you know when when I came on as a director um, and then as a general manager of the football club in. Uh, one one thing that the Magpies were struggling with was transitioning its remit as a football club and having a purpose uh, in terms of, you know, we're no longer an NRL club, we're no longer a first-grade entity. So what is our purpose? What is our, what is our prime function? What is our mission statement as, 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 a, as, a, as, a, as a business now? So they had to recalibrate. And one thing that I had to really make sure that the football club understood what its role was is that it is it was now seen as a pathway to success and what i mean by that is is that well it doesn't mean it's 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 time in rugby league is spent or wasted etc it needed to just basically recalibrate itself as a football club and 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 realign its objectives and what i mean by that is is that you've got a burgeoning junior nursery in the Campbelltown MacArthur region. It's got still junior representative sides and that needs to be a conduit to make sure that those those juniors and those junior reps and those stars that are coming through that region have a pathway to get to the NRL. So that in itself is ensuring that 
Western Suburbs Magpies as a district football club still has a very significant role to play in the grassroots and the, the, the you know the, the the development of of players to go on to play first grade in the NRL. So you know there's going to be a future generation of John Scandalises and Brett Hodsons and Ken and Kevin McGuinnesses and Ronnie Joneses and Shane McManamies and um, you're still going to have those those kids from that area still come through. They may not necessarily all go on to play for West Tigers, but if they can still filter and play in the NRL, then the Magpies Football Club is still doing its due diligence and doing a role there and providing the game with what it needs to. So that I'm really glad to see that the football club still has a purpose. I'm still glad to see it represented in the New South Wales Cup, in the knock-on effect cup, and, and being a feeder to West Tigers as well. And they're actually travelling better than West Tigers at the moment. So you go, go you Maggies. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, and, and obviously, the, you know, they've gone back to their roots at Lidcombe Oval with the Ron Massey Cup. So there's a little bit of nostalgia there as well as uh, combining its, you know, its future direction with, um, with its New South Wales Cup activities. And obviously, being a 90% shareholder of the NRL uh, franchise, um, you wouldn't know looking at it. But um, you know, they 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 are in a much better spot than than they probably they've they've ever been. So that in itself is a good thing. Oh, well, that that's probably a good note to end on. So I'll I'll see you at Lidcombe for a couple of beers. A friend of the show, Max Easton, will be running the bar. So. Um, let, let's make that happen. But for today, I want to thank you so much. This was an amazing chat, Daniel. So I uh, really appreciate your time. No dramas, mate. Again, it's my pleasure and I love uh, love everything you guys do. Uh, you and Andy, it's my favourite podcast and I urge everyone to, to tune in and listen. And it's a, it's a great educational tool as well. I oh, appreciate that, mate. Uh, so, yeah, so thanks again. Daniel Watson-Hayes, uh, up the Maggies. Go the Maggies. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.